I love superheroes, like comic book superhero movies, all that stuff. You can call me a nerd if you want. It's fine. I've heard it before. I'll hear it again. I love, you know, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, all that stuff. I think there's something fun just inherently in thinking about like superhero powers and saving the world and all that stuff. But just because I love superheroes doesn't mean that I don't see this fairly obvious problem in the way that they present those stories. It's the secret identity. So I kind of did a Google search about secret identity. This is what I came up with. Here's a picture of comic book Superman and Clark Kent. What's the difference? Exactly. Nothing. Like he has, he has glasses on, I guess, but he's even parting his hair on the same side. Like that seems like the bare minimum he could have just gone on the other side. Like you mean to tell me that Lois Lane sees Superman and then goes to work the next day and sees Clark Kent and she's not going, Superman, why do you have glasses on? Like, you are the same size, same hand, same posture, same voice, same everything. It's absolutely ridiculous. So I was kind of thinking about that, like, oh, superheroes, like, that's a huge flaw. And then I was going, hey, I think we kind of do the same thing in our lives, how we live. Here's what I mean. We act like we can hide who we are on the inside by what we do on the outside, We think we can kind of put this mask on, not like COVID mask, I understand. That's what we think of now. But we put on kind of the secret identity mask and that what we do on the outside will hide maybe who we are on the inside. We act like we can hide it. Now we're right smack dab in the middle of the series that we're calling Search Engine. And we've covered some really kind of big philosophical questions about what people might have about faith or the Bible and things like that. But today, we have a question lined up that I think is really important. It's a big deal for people. It's a big deal for me too. And we might say it in different ways. We might kind of feel it in different ways. But here's the question that we're talking about today. See, my problem isn't Jesus, it's Christians. What should I do? Are you disillusioned with the way that the church works? Or do you feel like, well, I can't, I can't possibly like go to church like it took everything that I could. Like they'll find out who I am or what's going on. Or maybe you're just frustrated with how inconsistent people are. You know, for some of us, it's not that we have a problem with Jesus or what Jesus teaches or that Jesus is the Son of God or any of that. It's really it comes down to the people who follow Jesus. And how we go kind of into the world and we see people who say over here, hey, I follow Jesus. And then over here, they're treating people in a completely different way. You know, Christ followers, myself included, can be really difficult people to deal with at times. We can be so judgmental. We can be mean. We can be uncaring. We can be hateful. And people see Christians living this way and it impacts them. Maybe it's impacted you. There's a quote by an author, Christ follower, Brendan Manning. He kind of speaks into this. This is what he says. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. Now, I don't know if that's true, but this is a compelling sentence. The single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Do you know someone like this? 
Someone who says they love Jesus, says they believe in Jesus, says they want to live for Jesus, and then they walk out the door, and maybe you start to really question whether they actually know Jesus at all. And I want to say right up front, before we start elbowing people, that if you look pretty deeply into any of our lives, you're going to see some areas of inconsistency, right? Another word for it, maybe it's the word that's kind of on the tip of your tongue. See, the problem isn't Jesus, it's Christians. Why? Because of hypocrisy. Now, this is one of those terms I think that we use, but we don't all like maybe agree on what it means. You know, we know it when we see it, but the definition's a little harder to pin down. I think sometimes because we misunderstand what hypocrisy really is. See, hypocrisy is not the difference between what we do and what we wish we did. There are a lot of things that I wish I could do that I don't do or I can't do. It doesn't make me a hypocrite just because I don't do something. Here's what I mean. We're at the end of January. How's everybody doing with their New Year's resolutions? I'm sure everybody's crushing them. Like there's no, nobody has quit like in the first three days or anything. We don't even like to talk about resolutions anymore really after like the month of January. So I'm getting, getting it in today because we're, we're almost there. Like we're like, this is it. This is the year 2022. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to read the Ridge Reading Challenge. I'm going to read my Bible. There's still time to do that in case you're wondering. But and then we don't eat right, or we don't exercise, we don't read the Bible. That's not hypocrisy. That's another word. It's called failure. <laughs> we're not talking about that today. That's not what we're interacting with. We all struggle with that too. Different topic, okay? So here's, here's kind of what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show on the outside and who we are on the inside. It's the gap. It's the show. Hypocrisy is a performance. And we go, I eat right, I exercise, I read my Bible, I do the Ridge Reading Challenge. That's not hypocrisy. I eat right and then I'm behind closed doors like stuffing Snickers down my throat. That's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the distance, it's the gap, it's the show. Now, I was kind of reading about this word, just the word hypocrisy, and the word hypocrite is actually a descendant of the word that means actor or one who performs in a play. You kind of think back to like Shakespeare and those types of you know, masks that you might have seen. Hypocrisy literally means one who hides behind a mask. So I was kind of thinking, all right, well, what does kind of a Christian hypocrisy mask look like? We're not going to like bring anybody up and make you wear them or anything like that. That wouldn't be good. But I was kind of thinking about, all right, well, what does a Christian hypocrite mask look like? So I've got a couple of examples here for you. Here's the angry hypocrite. We had to like paint this and stuff because there were eyes and they like came through the mask and it creeped me out, man. Like I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So we painted them up. But so... This is kind of an angry Christ follower hypocrite. You know anybody like that? So this is the Christ follower who's just judgmental about other people. Like, I grew up with somebody who said this phrase all the time. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't be around boys and girls who do. 
Then I found out that that dude smoked. What? Hypocrite. Put on that mask. Like, don't do it. And then he did it. I didn't find out until way later. But I was ticked. See, we all kind of maybe know, or maybe we are, maybe we struggle with. It's the person who's like, oh, you need to do this. You have to do this. You need to look like this. You need to sound like this. You need to behave like this. You need to believe this or else. That is kind of a judgmental, angry, Christ-following hypocrite. Well, here's another version of it. Here's like the happy hypocrite. They're like, I'm happy. I'm sad. Me too. I'm angry. Like, there's, there's the happy hypocrite. This is the one, maybe it says something like this. Come as you are. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad to see you here today. And then they turn around and they say the exact opposite. Like, I'm so glad that you're here. Did you see what she was wearing? Like, or I'm so glad that you're here. And then they're like, gossip, gossip. I'm, I'm just going to be deeply critical behind the curtain. Do you know what they do? Do you know how they live? How could they call themselves that? But on the outside, they're like, I'm so glad. We're so glad. We all love each other. Everything's great. Do you know somebody who's kind of like the happy hypocrite? Maybe that's you. Now, here's my favorite one. Here's the showy hypocrite. I was wearing this around the office a little bit. It was fun. Although they heard, I couldn't sneak up on anybody. They heard me coming. But do you know a, do you know a showy hypocrite? This is the person who presents themselves to be somebody that they're not. Maybe they say, oh, I'm, I'm going to pray for you, and they have no intention at all about praying for you. Or maybe it's the person who, who posts something on Instagram, you know, God is so good, and this is what God is doing in my life, and then that's the end of it. Like they deeply want people to see how spiritual they are. They deeply want people to know that they're a Christ follower and they don't show it necessarily with their lives. They just show it with their mouths. Do you know anybody like that? Ooh, this is uncomfortable. People who say, I want you to see how good of a Christian that I am. I want you to think the best of me. See, these aren't the only types of hypocrisy. They're just examples. But it drives home the point. See, we put on the mask. We become something that we aren't. We think it's like a secret identity. And the gap between what we show and who we are often is more obvious and maybe more glaring than we think it is. Here's another way of saying it. This is Titus 1.16. See, such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way that they live. I don't like, this is hard because I do that. I am a hypocrite and they are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. This seems kind of hopeless. This is uncomfortable. Now there's an old church joke And it kind of goes like this. Somebody comes up to a pastor like me and they say, Pastor, there are so many people in this church that are hypocrites. They say they love people, but they hate people. They say they give, but they keep. They say they care, but they don't. I can't attend a church with all these hypocrites. And the pastor looks at the person and says, Well, there's room for one more. At some point, we all are hypocritical. We're all inconsistent. But I think we need to pause before we just shrug it off and say, well, it doesn't matter. We're all kind of messed up and ha, ha, ha. 
This isn't something we should do lightly because if we follow Jesus, Jesus did not like hypocrisy, like at all. He got pretty angry about it, pretty aggressive about it, actually. This is Matthew 23, starting in verse 25. This is what he has to say about it. Woe is me. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. Well, how so? Well, for you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup, to present yourself and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. So this is kind of that image of a dishwasher. You ever put a dish in the dishwasher and on the outside it looks fine, and then you pick it up and you're like, ah! It's kind of like that. You would never drink out of that. You would never eat out of that. Jesus is saying, what sorrow, woe to you. Not like, whoa, that's cool. Like, whoa, like a horse. That's kind of what he's saying. Like, hold on, hit the brakes. Listen, this is not good. Being a hypocrite does not lead to good things. It's dangerous. It's poisonous. Those are the words that he's using I think it's really Jesus' version of check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's really what he's saying. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show and who we are. It's putting on the mask. We want to see, we want people to see us as the illusion, the show, the performance, rather than what's really going on inside of us. And if you read the entirety of that chapter, Matthew 23, Jesus brings the heat. Like, he has strong words. He calls hypocrites blind fools, snakes. But also as you read it, I think there's something really important that we get lost in some of his strong language, if we don't slow down a second, because Jesus didn't say, hey, you who messed up, you who said the bad word, you who watched the bad show on Netflix, I mean, Netflix didn't exist, I know. Not woe to you who do bad things. Who did he call out? He didn't call out the imperfect. He called out the hypocrite. Those who act like you don't do it, but you do it. Woe to you who put on the show, who put on the mask. Not people who mess up, not people who fall short, not people who make mistakes, not people who are imperfect. Woe to you who are imperfect, but act like you're something different. That makes me squirmy. Does it make you squirmy, wormy? Like, I'm a little uncomfortable because at the end of the day, I don't really want to talk about where I fall short. I don't really want to talk about kind of that gap of hypocrisy in my life. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking like, I'm glad that this person right next to me is hearing this. I'm going to send the link to my friend. It's easy to see hypocrisy in other people. It's a lot more difficult to see it in yourself. So if you're seeing some inconsistency in your life, in your heart, in your mind, if you're kind of feeling a little squirmy, that's actually good. That's self-aware. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit working around you and in you and with you. But for those of us who kind of need help digging in, and that's me, somebody who needs kind of the questions to help us get uncomfortable If you follow Jesus and you're like, I believe in him, I want to live my life for him, here are two questions that I think can really challenge us as we navigate hypocrisy. Check them out. What do you do and act like you don't? And then just invert it. What don't you do and act like you do? 
I see it. I feel it. Do you feel it? You're like, no, I'm good. I don't want to do that. Okay, fair enough. I'll go first. I'll show you mine. Don't want to, but I think it's wise. I'm going to give you some examples of some masks that I wear. The fact of the matter is, what do I do and act like I don't? Sometimes I care more about what people think than what God thinks. It's the truth. I have to stay off social media for the most part because of that. Because I see other churches and I start to compare what other churches do, or I see other people who do kind of what I do and I start to compare myself to other people, or I start to pay attention to how many likes something has or how somebody has commented. And I go, hey, that's not really what this is all about. And we start living our lives. I start living my life like I'm trying to please a person or a group of people, which is impossible, by the way, that I'm trying to please other people rather than really trying to surrender and please God. That's a mask that I wear. I act like I don't do it, but I do do it. So much so I have to remove things to help me. So that's an example. Here's another example. I stand on a stage like this all the time, and I say things like, give grace, forgive other people, pray for other people. Nothing matters if people don't matter. That's one of our values here at the Ridge. I say stuff like that all the time, and there are times that I catch myself right even in the middle of catching myself being deeply critical about somebody else. Now, I don't always say it out loud, but I'm saying, give grace, love others, do all these things, and then I am just tearing them down in my heart, or in my head. That's a mask that I wear. That's not okay. I act like I'm full of grace when I'm really just full of criticism or cynicism. Here's another example. You know, we talk about God's provision, which I think he does. I believe this in my heart that he will provide. He does provide even financially. But at the end of the day, I would much rather talk about God's provision when there's money in the bank than when there's not. In my own life, in the church's life, it's a a little bit of a show. It's a mask we put on, right? See, I'm much more secure when God has already provided, not when I need him to provide, right? That's part of the show. There are, we all have examples like that. Every single one of us have examples like that. See, my name is Adam. I am a hypocrite, a big old hypocrite. And maybe you are too. What do you do and you act like you don't? Or what don't you do and you act like you do? You read your Bible on your phone and then you look at porn on it later. You know, you tell your spouse you love them and then you go straight to work and you start flirting with somebody at work. You act a certain way at church and then when you're around other people, you're at school, you're with your friends, you're somewhere else, you act completely differently. You post like you have a perfect marriage, but you don't. You're struggling. You act like you have it all together, but you have a secret addiction that you don't want anybody to know about. You act like you're generous, but at the end of the day, you're actually pretty materialistic in your heart. See, what do we do? And if this is you, if you're like me, if you're going, I'm a hypocrite, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to get out of it, there is hope. But it's not in what we do. Right in the middle 
of what we already read in Matthew 23. Jesus is laying into these hypocrites. He gives us even the answer. Let's put Matthew 23, 25 back up. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? I could probably put my name here. What sorrow, Adam, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, but here's the hope. First, wash the inside of the cup and the dish. It's possible. He's not saying, "Uh uh-oh. He's saying you can wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. And you don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to just run the cycle on the dishwasher again. He's saying, no, allow me to do it. This is another way of saying it. Allow Jesus to close the hypocrisy gap in our lives. So if that gap is what we show and what we do, we need to close the gap. That makes sense. But we try and we put all this effort in and we can't really do it on our own. We'll fall short anyway and then that just keeps moving or there's another thing. We just can't quite figure out how to do it. So the way to find this with hope and find this with peace is actually to allow Jesus to do it. We can rely on Jesus. Jesus is deeply concerned with hypocrisy and is the only one that isn't a hypocrite. And he still has this unlimited grace for us. He just wants us to take off the mask because it's better for us. So how do we rely on him to do that? How do we go about doing this? How do we surrender our lives, do this with Jesus. Three ways we're going to talk about today. Identify the hypocrisy, confess the fault, surrender to Jesus. Here's the first one. Identify the hypocrisy. Are you aware if you're a hypocrite? If you're not aware, just ask a kid. I have three kids at home. Uh, The other day I went and I gave them a hug and my daughter said, ew, daddy, did you brush your teeth? I had not. (laughs) Things like, your belly's getting bigger. Listen, kid. But the reality is they see it, right? They call it out. And people can help you identify the hypocrisy. But before you ask somebody like next to you, hey, does my breath smell today? Ask God to identify the things in your life and in your heart that don't line up with him. Here's a song, here's a prayer of David, kind of the same David and Goliath guy. Check this out. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If you don't know how to identify your hypocrisy, pray that. It's a scary prayer. But God already knows, right? Search me, show me, point it out. Lead me, God. Identify the hypocrisy. Now, you know what it is now, okay? What's next? Well, number two, confess the fault. So having God search your heart, God identify where you're hypocritical is scary. Confessing the fault, saying it out loud, maybe is just as scary or a little bit more. Like we think, I can't do it. What if they find out what I'm really like? What if they know that I don't have it all together? Or even worse, I'll be judged, or I'll be shamed, or I'll be treated poorly because it's happened before. That's part of our struggle with hypocrisy, isn't it? 
that people have been hurt by hypocritical Christ followers. I've been hurt by hypocritical Christ followers. And it's hard and it's difficult, but I also have to acknowledge in the same breath that I have been the hypocritical Christ follower that has hurt other people too. And the amazing hope-filled thing is God already knows both of those things. He knows where I'm hurt. He's know when I've hurt. And he gives grace in both circumstances. Jesus already knows he can't stand hypocrisy, but when you drop the mask and when you start saying things like, I need you, I surrender to you, I need help, I need you to save me, I need you, the answer is always, always yes. He steps into the gap. He's the only one who can. He makes it right. He's the only one who can. And I know it's scary. I know it's hard. And I know it's deeply uncomfortable. But in the context of hypocrisy, living behind the mask, here's a phrase that might be helpful. You have nothing to fear when you have nothing to hide. And that's not maybe applicable to all circumstances, but I think it is to hypocrisy. We don't have to fear what's going to happen to us. God already knows. He's already in the hypocrisy with us. He loves us anyway, in spite of it. He gives unlimited grace for it. This is what Proverbs 28, 13 says, People who conceal their sins, people who are hypocrites, will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. That turn from them, confess and turn from them, fancy word for that is repent. Just turning away. Saying it out loud to God. Saying it out loud to a trusted friend. Saying it out loud to somebody in your life group. Saying it out loud to a pastor here at the Ridge. I confess, here's the gap. I don't know what to do. Will you help me? Saying it out loud takes the hold out of it, takes the fear out of it. It leads to hope. It leads to peace. It is scary. But you can't be found out if it's already out. So we're identifying the hypocrisy. And we're confessing the fault. What else do we do? Well, here's the third one. Surrender to Jesus. See, the reality is we need this reminder that we don't close the gap. Jesus closes the gap. We don't suddenly, like, magically change. That's just putting on a different mask. We don't change the way we live without first surrendering the inside of who we are to Jesus. Jesus is the one who changes us. The Holy Spirit in us, God in us, is what transforms and changes us from the inside out. He cleans the glass. And you might be thinking, well, I, I don't know how to do that. Well, the first step is if you believe, if you follow in Jesus, you surrender your life to him. You literally say, it's yours. Take it. Or maybe it's taking that step of being baptized. So if being a hypocrite is the outside not matching the inside, you know what's amazing about baptism? Baptism is this outward expression of the inward decision. Sound familiar? So maybe that's what it is. Or maybe it's one of these other three ways. We talk about this stuff all the time. Maybe it's pray. Here's my suggestion. If you struggle with prayer, if you don't know how to do it, if you just go, how, like, I don't know where to start. Get an empty chair, look straight at the empty chair, and talk to it like God is in it. Because God's there. He's with you. He loves you. 
You spend time with him. You talk to him. You have a conversation with him. That's one way to surrender your life to Jesus. Here's another way. Read. So yeah, we shamelessly plug the Ridge Reading Challenge here. But the reason why we do, and it's not too late in case you're wondering, QR code, website, you can sign up for it today. But the reason why we talk about it is that the Bible can deepen relationship. It is really God's words to us. And so often we go, like, I really wish that he had written me, I don't know, like a letter or something. He has. Go read. Ask yourself, what is God teaching me? How is he prompting me? How can I learn? Scripture can help lead, guide our transformation. It's a light to the path that we're trying to travel. So we pray, talk with Jesus. We read, we deepen that relationship with Jesus. And here's one more, and I I really want to make sure that we talk about this today for a second. We worship. Worship is a hard term to kind of nail down to. Worship is really our response to who God is and, and what he has done. It's our adoration. It's our loyalty. It's our affection. It's a way to give him honor and glory. We can do this in all sorts of ways. We can do this by singing. We can do this by enjoying his creation. We can do this by thanking God for all he's done in relationships. But really, at the end of the day, it comes down to Jesus and the love that God shows us through Jesus. And worship is really a form, it's a posture of surrender. That's why you raise hands, or that's why you do that. Because it's this opportunity for us to remind ourselves that we need a Savior. Because at its heart, that's what hypocrisy is, is us acting like we don't need help. Acting like we don't need Jesus. And worship reminds us that not only do we want Jesus, but we need Jesus. It's not an added bonus. It's not the frosting on the top. It's the whole enchilada. I mixed metaphors there. As we identify hypocrisy, as we confess the fault, as we surrender to Jesus, we're reminded that even though we're broken, even though we make mistakes, even though the gap can be too hard for us to close, even though we're huge hypocrites, we have more reason to sing than to fear. We have more reason to stand than to cower. We have more reason to surrender, to worship because of Jesus and what he did on the cross. That's really what it comes down to. The reason we have hope in our hypocrisy isn't because we can figure out how not to be hypocritical. It's because Jesus has already done it for us. That's the hope. That's the peace of the cross. That's how we fight hypocrisy. We allow Jesus to be our focus, to be our affection, to be the object of our worship. So we're going to do that in just a second. We're going to give you an opportunity to sing and to respond. Before we do that, I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, being a hypocrite is tiring. I'm tired of it. Maybe some other people are today too. We're tired of putting on the mask. Tired of acting like the secret identity accomplishes anything. 
So right now, today, help us identify our hypocrisy. Help us confess it, to say it out loud to you, to people in our lives that love us. And help us surrender, not just in the ways that are comfortable, but help us surrender it all to you. Where we fall short, where we make mistakes, whatever mask we put on, we just give that all to you. And I'm so thankful that because of Jesus and the cross, that you've already made that right, that you've already given us hope, that you already have closed that gap. We just need to be with you, that you'll do it with us and in us and for us and through us. So right now, we just thank you so much for your grace that we don't deserve this unlimited amount of saying, I see that you're a hypocrite, Adam, but you are loved and you are valued. I see that these people hearing these words today are hypocrites and they are loved and they are valued and that I give hope because of who I am. The God that you are, God, gives us hope and grace that we aren't ensnared, that we are free. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. We surrender to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.